This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Sports Radio, where your hosts, Dave Stahl, Lance Pelkey, and Michael Schwartz, educate you on anything and everything related to our Second Amendment right. Visit GunSportsRadio.com with your questions and comments, or to learn how to become a sponsor and or guest of the show. Now here comes Hour 2 of Gun Sports Radio, and your hosts, Dave, Lance, and Michael. Hi, folks. Welcome back. Forget to look for our shows at your favorite podcast platform. It's simple at gunsportsradio.com. That's gunsportsradio.com. This hour is brought to you by our good friends at Cali Key. Drop in a Cali Key into any AR 15 or AR 10 to instantly make it California compliant. For more information, check out Cali Key at calikey.com. That's K A L I K E Y.com. Self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and unfortunately, the justice system may not be on your side. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year, with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does U.S. Law Shield. What's your plan after you defend yourself or your family? Consider a plan from U.S. Law Shield. Check them out today at uslawshield.com. That's uslawshield.com. All right, this segment's brought to you by San Diego County Gun Owners. If you have not joined San Diego County Gun Owners, this is the opportune time to do so. Go to www.sdcgo.org. Ten bucks a month. Come on, folks, you could do that, and you will get more information, more knowledge than you could ever want, and you can be safe. San Diego County Gun Owners. Check them out. Now, now we got our covert blogger, Joe Jermisi. He writes a blog once uh, once a week. Once a week. And he's talking about a lockdown, got you down. Well, develop your own dry fire practice routine, part two. All right. So I got to do this. Uh, I got to do a good job with this today because my friend Stephen uh, Billick is listening uh, to the show, I guess, from South Jersey. South Jersey. That's what he said. So, um, Home of Joe Dramisi. Yeah. He Jersey. Stephen was a uh, really good quarterback in high school, and I was a defensive lineman. So I spent a lot of time chasing uh, Stephen around the field. <laughs> so, uh, so good to hear he's listening to Did us. Did you That's ever great. catch him? Occasionally. Yeah. Occasionally. <laughs> so um, let's see what we're talking about uh, with our lockdown. Uh we started last week. Uh, it was a good idea. We thought to um, let's make use of the time. So dry fire practice is a good thing to do. And uh, this is a good time to develop your routine, because if you can get into the habit of doing these dry fire drills, you know, a couple of times a week, and they only take about 15 minutes, um, you'll see a noticeable improvement in your shooting. So when um, I started writing, I think I mentioned this last week, started writing the article and uh, I discovered that I can't do all this in one article. So I broke it into three parts. So uh, part one, last week, we talked about just establishing the dry fire habit and area in the house, how you want to go about doing it. And uh, we started, we talked about uh, practicing your draw stroke, drawing from concealment, drawing from open carry. And so that was the first part. So now for part two this week, um, we add a couple of more things. Uh, we talk about grip, establishing a proper grip. And you want to do that right out of the holster as you're drawing so that when you come up and you get the gun on target, you're already in the right grip and you don't have to play around with it. You don't have to adjust or anything like that. And that works really well as a dry fire drill. So we're going to talk about uh, establishing your grip, 
like that, getting a good sight picture is the other thing, and then good trigger control. So if we put all three of those things together, um, I kind of called them the secrets. I don't know if uh, they're called the three secrets or... I don't know if I heard that somewhere or that just popped into you, my mind. That's co- what I'm calling you, you it. You coined a phrase. I think so you did. it could be. Yeah. <laughs> but if you can do those three things well and consistently, if you can get a good sight picture every time uh, quickly when you come up, if you come up in a good proper grip each time, and if you have good trigger control to where it's just a habit, you will pretty much always hit what you're shooting at if you can do those three things. So um, with a grip, the... Um, you know, the key to that when you're coming out from the draw and where you can incorporate this in your dry practice, you know, we talked about tr- practicing the draw stroke and the four steps and everything last week. Um, once you're comfortable doing that, you want to start focusing on the grip. When you grab the gun, the first step in that four step process, you want to grab with um, you want to grab it with what they call a good firing grip. You want to get your hand high up on the gun right in the exact place it's um, it needs to be. Then when you come out with the gun, when you join it, was it step three, I guess, you'll join it with your support hand and you come out on target. And what you want to do is um, start looking at that when you, uh, you go through your draw practice, you come up, you end up on target and you want to stop and look at your hands. Are your hands exactly where they need to be? Are they too far up, too far back? Do you have a good grip? And um, start noticing that and incorporate that into your practice. Uh, in the article, I linked to a, uh, a very nice video by uh, champion shooter uh, Robert Vogel, where he goes through and uh, demonstrates the grip. And I actually, somebody turned me on to this uh, good friend, um, Chris Sassunas, uh, who's an outstanding competitive shooter around here. And, um, you know, he was uh, helping me with my grip, and he's the one that, that turned me on to Robert Vogel. And uh, it made a big difference, especially with the second shot, because if you're shooting pairs, the problem I had is my first shot was going right where I wanted it. The second shot would be somewhere else because my grip wasn't right. Mm. And um, that's a real um, easy thing to fix, like a lot of things, once you know about it um, and you could practice that. So that was the first thing to incorporate. The um, second thing then, once you got the grip going, is uh, as you come up um, in your dry fire practice, you come up on target Take a look at your sight. You want to go for a good sight picture. And you've probably heard uh, the phrase, if you hang around enough or if you've taken enough classes, you'll hear people talk about equal height, equal light. And what they're talking about is if you're looking at the handgun and you're looking at the sights, the top of the front sight should be even with the top of the rear sight. So that's the equal height part. And then the equal light part is that front sight should be right in the middle of that notch. So you should see the same amount of light on either side of the front sight. And that's what you're looking for. And you're putting that right on your target. And again, the practice here as you're doing dry fire is to come up out of your draw stroke, your regular draw, to come out and be in that proper sight picture at the end of your draw stroke. So the more you can get to the point where that's almost a natural thing, every time you draw, you pretty much end up um, how you want the sights to be. Um, that's what you're trying to shoot for. And again, I linked to another good video uh, in the article as well where they demonstrate that so you could see what it looks like. And um, so that was that one. Then the, uh, the third part is good trigger control. And uh, if you um, hopefully next year, if you're listening, you'll you'll make it out to the uh, to front site to the charity shoot. Yeah. Where you'll go through four days of this. <laughs> and a big part of it is they'll have you run through this proper uh, trigger control. And what you're doing is, again, once you come up on site, you're on the target. Um, you're pressing back on the trigger with a nice, even, consistent press. Um, to what they call a surprise break. So when you get to the break, the break is where the gun would fire normally if it was loaded. And you'll feel that break, 
there and it should be a surprise because what happens is uh, sometimes people will anticipate that and they'll be pulling back on the trigger and they'll be anticipating the break and they'll dip the gun because they're anticipating it going off in the recoil. So you'll want to practice going through there, having a good surprise break. And then the other part to that is good follow through. Um, sometimes people will stop their finger at the break or just after the gun fires and they don't follow through. They don't push the trigger all the way back to the end of the travel. And again, that will, that will goof up your shooting. So with good trigger control, you're pressing back evenly. You're going through the surprise break, good follow through all the way to the end. And then you're coming back out until you feel the uh, trigger reset. And that reset point is where the, um, where the gun is ready to fire again. So good trigger control, you're feeling all of those things. And um, what you want to do is practice that to the point where it's a natural thing. When you shoot, that's what you do. And then once you get all the fundamentals down like that, which is, is um, a really easy, good thing to do when you're dry fire practicing, then you could take all that stuff to the range and kind of implement that stuff and see how it really goes. And, um, you know, dry fire is, is just one of the, uh, I guess, one of the best things you can do to improve your shooting. And since we're all kind of stuck in the house right now and a lot of the ranges are shut down, this is a great time to uh, <clears throat> establish that habit. Because what do they say? It takes, mm. what, two or three weeks to get a good habit going? That's what they say. So uh, if you could just uh, make yourself do this, you know, two or three times a week, 15 minutes at a time is all it takes. And um, if you can get into that habit now, it's something you can carry on um, back to when things open up again. And so, you don't have to buy any more equipment. No, you should have everything you have there. We were talking about this earlier, and I wish I knew more about it. Uh, the Mantis X is what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah. And there's different um, things that you can incorporate into your gun to help with your dry fire training. And I know the Mantis X is a big one. I know John Curry is a big fan of that. Mm -hmm. uh, he talks about it all the time in his videos. Have you seen that, Michael? Or? I, yeah, it's it's basically a way for it? you to drive. I've never actually touched it. I've just seen John Korea talk about it. But it's a it's like a little laser. It's like a little fake bullet and a laser situation. Yeah, well, and it'll measure your draw. It attaches stroke. to the rail of your gun. If you don't have a rail, you can put an adapter on it. Oh, is that how? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so like a light on under your Glock or whatever the case may be. Because yeah. I know you could you can measure your times with that. Um, it'll yes. plot your draw stroke. Yes. Uh, for you, um, when you come up on target, it'll show you if you are actually on target. If you have a good sight picture and that kind of stuff. So um, it sounds like a really useful thing, a really helpful thing. I've never tried it. I should uh, explore it a little bit more. Maybe well, we can write about it. Also, later. too, um, I was as I was, we were talking earlier, uh, Masab, what's oh, Masad, Masad Ayub. Masab Ayub, yeah, great guy. Um, he was talking about uh, the use of air guns. Yeah. And, you know, building yeah, yourself so. <laughs> a little, you know, safe bunker, whatever the case may be, and just, you know, using a air gun. Yeah, to get some dry fire, or not some dry fire, but just, just some shooting practice in. Yeah, and, time. And the air guns are good. You know, that's a subject for another day, too, because air rifles have been around for a long time. Lewis and Clark had four air rifles. Yes, they did. Uh, and they hunted game with those things. And that was way back in the, what, 1800s? They, they say that, that that was the rifle that won the West. And, well, you know, you could you can get those now, and they don't consider those firearms. Right. So you could actually buy an air rifle out here that'll work just like a firearm. I read part. this magazine. Uh, it's a UK magazine for mostly shotgun. Is it Soldier of Fortune? Who is it? No, it's mostly, no, it's like <laughs> called the shooter something but it's for mostly for shotgun but they have this whole thing on air guns mm -hmm. amazing stuff so um anyway. well, it was even more amazing back then because they didn't have you know rubber and plastic yeah for them to be able to pull that off is amazing that yeah. little bicycle oh we got it there you gotta take a break that's we it <clears throat> gotta pay some right. bills gotta pay the bills hey folks you're listening to gun sports radio fm 961 am 1170 the answer 
folks. Welcome back. You are listening to Gun Sports Radio. FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. California assault weapon laws make it almost impossible to own an AR platform rifle. What's the solution? Cali Key. Converts any mil-spec direct impingement AR platform rifle into a straight pull-bolt action rifle so it can have all the features without being considered an assault weapon. It's a true drop-in solution. No milling, no aesthetic modifications, no turning off your gas system. Keeps your entire AR collection intact at a price you can afford with Cali Key. Check out Cali Key at CaliKey.com. That's K-A-L-I-K-E-Y.com. Well, this segment is sponsored by the good folks at U.S. Law Shield. Go to uslawshield.com for all the protection you can handle. But we have a special guest on the line. Woohoo! That'd be uh, Mr. Bill D.C. from CCW USA. Bill, how's it going, man? Hey, very good. How about yourself? Fantastic. Everybody, if you own a gun in San Diego, you know who Bill D.C. is. You may know him as Bill Desi. Um, uh, but, <laughs> but he is one of the uh, most popular CCW instructors um, in San Diego. Bill DC has been doing this for decades now and is a fantastic advocate and member of San Diego County Gun Owners and uh, works primarily out of the Glock store, right? That's correct. Excellent. So uh, for those who are either looking to apply, let's, let's, let's talk about two chunks here. Those who are looking to apply for a CCW and those that are in need of renewal, um, what are you seeing? What do they do? How do they uh, how do they act? What steps do they take? So right now everything's online, as you know, through Permidium, uh, and they're encouraging everyone since uh, April first uh, to go online, go to the sheriff's website, or go to the link through San Diego County Gun Owners, or we also have the link on our website on the California page. Uh, where you can link in to uh, Permidium, create your username and password, and start your process, whether it's initial or renewal permits. And but but it's happening. People are getting renewal yep. uh, renewed. People are getting uh, uh, their permit. It's just that it's all migrated onto um, Permidium. Which, by the way, I mean, what timing? You know, they started this. Yeah. They started That's this. Mig- yeah, they started this migration March, I think, first. And then all this COVID-19 stuff happened. What timing? I mean, it's kind of perfect. I'm not sure what they would be doing um, if they didn't, uh, if they hadn't switched over to uh, Permidium. And what, what we run into right now, and I just talked to some folks over at licensing uh, the other day, is their, their May 1st. That's their hopeful uh, reopening date is May 1st. But as you know, it's a fluid situation. Things change. So right now I do have quite a few people who have taken the initial class and the renewal class. They've uploaded all their documents. They've got the, the good to go. They're just waiting for an email from the sheriff's department to let them know when they can come in for their appointment or to schedule that appointment. And then they're also um, basically telling people, make sure if you're in that system, make sure that you're checking your spam folder, you're checking uh, for any follow-up emails that come from Permidium uh, because uh, it's, I think the email says auto and then at permidium.com or something. And that can automatically get sent to, to a spam folder or to a, uh, some kind of filter. Yeah, they didn't do a really good job with their messaging. Um, it was confusing. It made it sound like they were saying, hey, we're closed, but we're not closed. 
What they meant was the actual physical location, the licensing building, is closed. Um, but they are still open for business. They're still taking applications and processing them. So Yeah, they're processing everything online. Yeah. Uh, they, they are still open for registered sex offenders and, uh, and folks that need to come in and register because they're felons and stuff. Uh, so you can go do that if you like. That's good news. Essential Thanks. people. Let me write that down. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, Bill. Bill, this is Joe. Um, yeah. Hey, you're, you're still open for business right now amidst all this, right? Because um, for like qualification stuff, because I'll need to come see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we're still doing uh, calls. We've just uh, adopted all the CDC guidelines, uh, classes of nine people or less, six feet apart, which, by the way, is unusual and more difficult than I would have expected uh, because people get comfortable in about uh, an hour or two. They get comfortable and they want to get closer and you have to keep going, hey, six feet. Uh, And it is it's challenging, but we're wearing face masks. We're wearing gloves. uh, We're using hand sanitizer. We're just making sure everybody stays safe. Well, great. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be calling you here in a couple of weeks. So good. That's good to hear. Yeah, and it's it's uh, you know another common question. People, it, it's amazing that we've been talking about this for years now, and people still want to know: Are people getting approved for a CCW? The approval rate that you're seeing is well over ninety-seven percent. I mean, it's it's pretty high, right? I can I can only count the people I'm aware of that have been denied on one hand. It's less than five. And usually, in fact, I would say all of those were either issues that they forgot to put down on their application or they contradicted themselves in some way where it made it appear that maybe they weren't telling the complete truth. And that's not something that uh, had to do with their good cause statement. It's more the application process. Oh, I forgot I had that criminal conviction or, oh, I forgot uh, I had a restraining order two years ago or something. Whereas if they had disclosed it, uh, it may may have been a different outcome. So in May, we're going to do, actually, uh, let me think. It might do it at the end of this month. But in May, we're going to do um, an online, like a Zoom uh, or Facebook Live online uh, session on how to write your good cause. Um, unfortunately, we've, we haven't been able to do the, you know, we were doing six, seven, eight, um, how to get your CCW seminars a month. And, and those seminars, by the way, are, uh, that was actually Bill's idea. Um, and, and the whole county ran with it. And it was, it was a really good idea, Bill. And I thank you for it. But I, I get at least a dozen emails, at least a dozen emails a week asking to review their good cause, which I'm happy to do. I can absolutely tell the difference between somebody that, that attended the seminar and somebody that did not attend the seminar. These seminars really, really make the sheriff's job easier, and they really, really help people out on, on how to write your good cause and that sort of thing. But and the reason I bring this up is, is Bill, what you're saying is a lot of the people that are getting denied, had they just... Some of them are, are you know, denied. You have a restraining order against you. You had some kind of you know battery charge or something like that. It's a background check issue. But the very, very, very few that have gotten denied, if they had just done things a little bit differently, um, they would have gotten their CCW. So that's that's the thing we're going to concentrate on. So look on our Facebook page and look on our emails. Sign up for our emails, and we're going to do a uh, how to get your CCW seminar. I haven't even announced that yet. Heard it here first. Breaking news with Bill DC, but we're going to get that done. So, what's your best advice for 
people that are writing their uh, or you know putting in their application for their CCW bill? Uh, well, the first thing is to make the phone call, or it used to be to make the phone call. Now it's to go online, start the process with Permidium, because you got plenty of time to write your good cause statement. It's just you. It's basically get in line, <clears throat> get in line in the process. So you're in the system. You're in the queue. You can always go back and upload documents and add documents to your to your file and everything. But the key thing is what good cause statements uh, should contain. And I, I've told people in the past, hey, it should contain, you know, an introduction. Here's who I am. Here's what I do. Here's what puts me at greater risk. I do blah, 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 blah. And um, it, it's like a business letter. And I'll, I'll get the same thing. I'll get a couple of them every now and then where they go, um, crime's really bad. COVID-19 has me scared and I want to protect my family. I'm like, that's not a good cause statement. That's a, that's a statement but it's not a good cause statement. So it has to be a little bit more specific as far as my name is uh, so-and-so, uh, my the type of work I do is this, uh, in the course of my employment, I, I have to travel here, I have to travel there, I, I do this and that, I handle high value items, I have a, a expensive equipment or tools with me, or I'm uh, traveling in high crime areas by myself. Just some, not, not to make things up for people, to give them an idea, you point out what is it that you actually do on a daily basis that puts you at greater risk than the average person. And for some folks, it's walking their dog. For some people, it's hiking and camping in the middle of nowhere. Uh, for some people, it's, uh, you know, just the nature of their business maybe puts them at greater risk or right. the nature of the work they do. You know, Bill, hey, it's kind of like when, they, when one of your employers comes to you and says they need a raise because they're in debt. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Like that was your and fault. Right. The the idea is um, it's more than just like, oh, I'd feel better if I had a gun than if I didn't have a gun. It's like what specifically, and, and they want specifics. What locations do you go to? What type of tools? Give us an inventory, send us a picture, something that substantiates it. And one of the things Michael and I have talked about in the past is it's not that your good cause has to be friggin' super over the top. People are trying to kill you. You have attempted kidnappings every week and, uh, and the neighbors are, you know, trying to snipe you every weekend or something. It's basically uh, your daily, your normal daily activities, whatever they are, potentially could put you at greater risk of criminal attack or victimization. And people putting that into words, sometimes I think they don't like to do it because it makes them feel more vulnerable but also they don't understand how to do it. And that's where the good cause worksheets or some looking at some of the examples on San Diego County gun owners website, examples of good cause statements for different occupations, different jobs, different uh, reasons kind of gives you an idea. Again, we tell people don't cut and paste those. Uh, just get the idea and say, Oh yeah, I do you, this. I use do them that. as a template. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. It's a template and then put it in your own words. What's your so website, is, Bill? So number one, yeah, yeah number one, it's got to be true. Yeah, all right, be Bill, true. we got to cut. So, give us your website. Uh, CCWUSA.com. Look at the California page for CCWs. You got it, buddy. Hey, keep up the good work, and we'll talk to you down the road. Sounds good. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to FM 96.1 AM 1170. The
Welcome back. You're listening to Gun Sports Radio. FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, have you been to A.O. Sword Firearms in El Cajon? Well, they got the widest selection of guns in San Diego County with over 600 unique guns in stock, including hundreds of used guns. Go see their full-service experienced gunsmith. They can do everything from mild repairs to full custom firearms. A.O. Sport Firearms Store located at 929 East Main Street in the city of El Cajon. Go to their website at aosword.com or you can call at 619-749-4867. Bill Buyer Repair. A.O. Sword Firearms is your go-to place for all things firearms. That's aosword.com. Call them 619-749-4867. And with that being said, we got David Chong on the line. And he wants to talk to you about training and the importance of belts and slings. Belts and slings. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing well. I'm sure glad you had uh, my friend uh, Bill on the show. He's, uh, uh, you know, there's only uh, less than 20, I think, of us uh, who are certified instructors in CCW for San Diego County. And of those, maybe less than half a dozen of us do it full time. Uh, over at AO Sword, we focus on uh, real small class sizes, and uh, we, we perform our training up at uh, Lemon Grove Rod and Gun. Whenever my classes are full, or like now when I'm not training at all because of uh, my, my range is shut down, uh, I Bill and then one other outfit uh, up in North County. Uh, they're the only people I trust with my students and my clients. Uh, does a great job. I just had an idea. We need to do a uh, CCW instructor. Like IDPA match. <laughs> oh yeah! How about Let's that? Bring it! <laughs> yeah. You got everybody excited on that one. Guns and glory. Winner gets a yeah, trophy, and the uh, second place gets a set of steak knives. Yeah, that's classic. Good. Bill is that. Uh, my only concern is uh, I'm going to beat Bill, and then he's very good with knives. So if we could come up with a uh. other second place. <laughs> Um, he's not here to defend himself, but I know he's listening. Uh, yeah, I do want to talk a little bit about, uh, um, basically, uh, gear supporting your firearms. We have hundreds and hundreds, I would say thousands and thousands in the county of, of new firearms owners. And many of them, as, as we talk to them over the counter and figure out what their needs are, they're thinking about obviously home defense in a time like this. So many people, not just in this time, but because of this time have realized that really they are the, uh, they bear the final responsibility for their own safety that, uh, um, police, you can't, carry a law enforcement officer in your back pocket or in your living room 24 seven. And uh, by the time they get there, whatever has happened or whatever is going to happen has happened. And, and the police are just there to report. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the second component, however, uh, that has been driving people to uh, buy guns is a consideration that maybe it won't just be a individual uh violent incident inside their home, but, but they could see a, a straight line path to where maybe society could get desperate and there would be a period of lawlessness. And um, in that case, uh, if, we, if we think about that scenario, uh, that person who has turned to maybe for the first time uh, uh, 
buying a gun and realizing that that's an important tool in their toolbox of personal security and safety, uh, they may be compelled to travel with that gun, whether it's traveling around their property, traveling to the neighbors, traveling to the store, um, or whatever. And a, a gun simply held in the hand is not a great strategy. Uh, first of all, you can't carry whatever you went to the store for. Second of all, it weirds people out. And so uh, as, as they think about, okay, now I've got this gun, how would I actually employ it? You need to think about slings for uh, long rifles and shotguns, uh, and you need to think about holsters for for pistols. Um, uh, even some long-time shooters just have not really solved or even considered the how do I carry this thing around and still do my life uh, or whatever the uh, tactical or, or um, you know, the societal situation is. Um, we have brought in uh, a brand new line for our store, uh, Viking Tactics. Uh, I brought it in because I loved it and I wanted it all for myself. <laughs> uh, I, I, I demoed their gear uh, at the uh, charity handgun shoot up the front site um, this this year, and uh, I don't know if any of you guys saw me, but uh, I saw uh, you. My, my class will attest. I was I was jumping on the ground and then rolling around and sprinting, and and their raised tactical belt uh, did better than my Ronin system. Uh, did better than many other belt rigs that I've had uh, wow. now what does that mean did better i mean other than sure so hold, hold your pants um, up. <laughs> uh more comfortable let's first of all let's talk about what it is it's a riggers belt and riggers belt are, are generally used um to to hold you in place uh they have enough strength to to latch into a repelling rope or a fast rope to uh whether that's for climbing or for uh, tactical insertion or extraction, uh, it has enough strength to support your body weight and all your gear. Um, so uh, now uh, most tactical operators and many competition shooters uh, uh, have, have switched over to rigors belt systems. And what they are is they're mostly two belt systems. There's an inner belt, which is a um, hook and loop like Velcro, and then a outer belt, which actually has all of your loops and attachment points for holsters and bags and pouches and so forth. Um, the inner belt holds up your pants, but then the hook and loop makes it so that you can put your outer belt on and it stays exactly in place. Um, the problem with so many of these systems is they're too wide or not stiff enough or too stiff, uh, uh, and they they can uh, impede your movement or they can uh, not stay in place. Uh, the, the the reason I first looked at the uh, Vikings Tactical Raise System, uh, Vikings Tactics, excuse me, Raise System is it it did something that's so simple and so obvious, but nobody's nobody else does it. Instead of putting the hook on the uh, belt, so the inner belt, so that the uh, the the scratchy part is on the, the inner belt. They put it on the outer belt. So when you take the outer belt off, it's just that soft fuzzy. That's really important because all of my tactical gear is some blend of polyester and, and, and it, it would stick to and ball up and get ripped oh, by yeah. the inner belt. Also, when I took off my 
uh, outer belt, my tactical gear, my pistol belt and everything to be comfortable. Every time I touched myself with my elbow or something, I scratch myself up. So they reversed it so that the soft parts on the inner belt. And that's a huge difference. Then when you're walking around without your gun belt on, it's very comfortable. Um, but doing better, what does it do well? It, it stays in place. Yes, it holds my pants up, but also uh, I I carry, in, doing the advanced uh, pistol course, I had uh, five magazines on there, plus a dump pouch full of 100 rounds of loose ammo to load on the line. I had my uh, gun and my competition holster. Uh, I had a tourniquet on and, you know, in a pouch. Uh, and then that big dump pouch and a uh, flashlight holder because I did the night class too. And it was, uh, it was fantastic. Didn't move around at all. I, like I said, I was able to, um, I, I do, when I go prone, I don't like take a knee, take another knee and then, and then lay out. I, I dive to the ground and I did that 40 times over the course of the weekend. And it, it never broke a stride, never got in my way, always stayed where it was supposed to be liked it a lot so so what are you uh, looking at for a for a like if you uh, how do i like say i'm interested i'll bet you there's a lot of people out there david who have seen others with this and thought well that's uh something i'd like to get into i don't even know where to start though so where do they start and what are they looking at as far as uh, like how do they get started and and you know what's the price range come on in i'll show you the belts I, i have them out so you can actually try them on um and here's here's the other thing I like about this system. Uh, most of these belts, you're really looking in the two hundred to three hundred dollar range, um, which is just out of the consideration of most people. Yeah, I'm not that serious about this. Um, the, these uh, raised tactical belts are one hundred and twenty nine to one hundred and thirty nine dollars, and there's no compromise in quality. It's it, not it, bad. Re- we're manufactured direct, so uh, and, and we're making a an, enough of a healthy profit to keep on selling these, and um, and we're not undercut by Amazon or anything like that. They only sell direct, so uh, there is a, a one level of of profit cut out from a middleman. Um, they also have a, a skirmish system belt, which is more serious. Now we're talking about uh, military personnel, preppers, people who take their tactical preparations very seriously uh the skirmish system belt uh that includes again an inner belt plus an outer cobra belt um that's 194 dollars that is something that you would integrate into your 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 battle rattle you know a full uh uh combat vest and and what have you but you could also use the raised tactical belt with that system a very capable uh, uh lightweight belt system my my um, battle tends not to rattle. It kind of moans these days. Oh, well. <laughs> kind of grunts. <laughs> I get it. Just make sure you got double side plates, brother. <laughs> Just cover all of the all of that uh, uh, that depth. All right. So there. Uh, uh, so when they when they so everybody's going to go in this week and buy a belt from you. Where do they go and and tell us a little bit? Are you, you still have normal hours and you still have a line or what's going on? Normal hours. We we, uh, we have to. It's been between four thirty and five thirty that we've told the the people in line. Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, you're the last person. Uh, uh, we're not going to be able to get through the rest of this line before we have to turn off the lights. Um, and, and we do that proactively so nobody's disappointed. Uh, uh, but uh, 
between 4.30 and 5.30. Uh, it's uh, Monday through Friday, 10 till 6, and Saturday, 10 till 5. Um, we've also got the Vickers Tactical Sling System show. If, if not that, then the Magpul Sling System. You've got to be able to uh, shoulder your rifle and, and do your business, whatever that might be. All right. Well, awesome. Cool, David. Well, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Love, love your segment. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. We'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy. You take care. Folks, this is Gun Sports Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Sports Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. Hey, California assault weapon laws make it almost impossible to own an AR pattern rifle. Well, what's the solution? Cali Key. It'll convert any mil-spec direct impingement AR platform rifle into a straight full-bolt action rifle so it can have all the features without being considered an assault weapon. It's a true drop-in solution. No milling, no aesthetic modifications, and no turning off your gas system. Keeps your entire AR collection intact and a price you can afford with Cali Key. Check out Cali Key at CaliKey.com. That's K-A-L-I-K-E-Y.com. U.S. Law Shield. Self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone. Unfortunately, the justice system may not be on your side. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year. With the comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does U.S. Law Shield. What's your plan after you defend yourself or your family? Consider a plan from U.S. Law Shield. Check them out today at uslawshield.com. That's uslawshield.com. Hey, the refi bell has been ringing and for, for many of us, and home mortgage interest rates have dropped to a historic low. Get them while you can. If you're looking to buy, sell, or refi, or if you're even considering a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Give Chris Wiley a call at 619-722-1363. That's 722-1303. Sorry about that. Or primerez.com backslash alpine. All right. Awesome. You got the kid on. Got the kid. This is the part of the show where we do a very popular segment called Stump My Nephew. Um, Sam is my 20-year-old nephew, and we found out that he is uh, a a bit of a savant when it comes to... He actually knows a lot about a lot of things. Maybe more of a a maven? Is that a mensch? Is that... What's the term? Sam, what are you, man? What's the term? I'm just a guy. Just a guy. I like it. So he knows a lot about uh, guns. We try to stump him just about every week. Uh, we usually fail. Um, he knows a whole lot about a whole lot when it comes to guns. And if you send us a question and we use it on the air, we'll send you a T-shirt. If you stump him, we'll include a hat with that T-shirt. Ooh. Ah. So Beth... From Coronado wrote in, Beth wants to know, what does ACOG stand for? 
What does ACOG stand for? Thanks very much for the question, Beth. And now for a little bit of background, well, you know what? I'll just answer the question first. Advanced Combat Optical Gunsight. Hoo-ha! Uh, ACOG. Most people, I think everybody's heard the term ACOG. Honestly, guys, did you guys know what ACOG stood for? No. No. <laughs> okay. So go for it. Talk talk to people. a little bit of background. Give some ACOG background. Okay. So... I'm going to take you, uh, I'm going to give you the, the little bit longer version. I'm going to take you back to the 1980s, really the 1970s, when the Soviet Union started experimenting with um, optics that were dual illuminated, i.e. they had um, a, a tritium little vial inside to illuminate the reticle at night, and in the daytime, the reticle in the, the optic was p- powered by um, uh, ambient light like, from, like, from the sun, presumably. Like there was a little optics. lens that would redirect it and light up the reticle. So uh, fast forward a little bit, that technology came to the United States, um, and we started uh, building the Trigicon ACOG. Trigicon started building the ACOG. They were one of the first American companies to build uh, really ambient light-powered scopes, if you will. And it, it actually uses, it's a prismatic scope. The standard one is four power and it has a little fiber optic thing on the top and that collects light and it channels it down inside and uses all sorts of magical stuff and uh, lights up the little reticle so that you can see it. Um, and of course there are, there are many different variations of it, but the, the four power is most common and they've been fielded by the US military for a couple of decades now. Yeah, you know, a lot of that started off with, you know, special operations guys like uh, special forces in the army and and uh, seals for the navy and um it's it's kind of worked its way down to the grunt level. You know, the mainstream uh, guys, the ground pounders are uh you'll see them with M4s with uh with ACOGs on them and I got to tell you, I actually don't own an ACOG, but I've used them and uh, you know, just for practice and that sort of thing. The quality is phenomenal. Like, even if you don't really, like, even if it's not your thing, like, oh, gee, I don't like the reticle or I don't, whatever you don't like, fine. But the quality is is phenomenal. They are crystal clear. The glass is crystal clear. And the thought put into the, the reticle, particularly the, uh, the donut on a stick, um, is really uh, intelligent. You know, you can... You can actually use that donut on a stick to uh, to range somebody. You know, it's it's meant to where you can you can put it on a guy, and if it lines up next to the stick in a certain way, you can tell okay that guy's a hundred yards, two hundred yards away, that sort of thing. So, uh, which is amazing. But the other part of it is it's this really great combination of red dot and precision long distance because that donut acts as a red dot. So if you're in you know like a close quarters situation. You have a nice big donut. You put that donut on on somebody, and you can defend yourself. Um, or if the, if somebody's two, three, four hundred yards away, um, you know you can range them and then get an accurate shot off all in the same uh, uh, scope, which is amazing. Yeah, the, the ACOG really is uh, an excellent piece of equipment. I mean, for twelve hundred bucks, which is a little bit steep, uh, you you definitely expect a really high quality piece of gear, and um, they're reputed to be totally bomb proof. Uh, which means that, of course, only uh, soldiers and Marines have managed to break them. There you go. There you go. Awesome. You ever tried one? I have not. Do you uh, do you uh, sell a lot of them at the shop? 
Uh, we actually don't carry them. That's that's sort of a more specialty thing where if you want one, you know you want one, and you look around for it online. Um, it's uh, it's kind of difficult to keep, you know, like I said, a $1,200 to $1,600 piece of glass on the shelf. I would imagine that's that's pretty accurate. I know I was looking at one a few years ago, and I ended up not getting one. I got another Trigicon. I got the uh, – uh, what's the one? What's the red dot with like a five-year – Life, the rifle. Is it the MRO? The MRO. Look at that. You we got do t- sell those. Yeah, you, <laughs> you got two right. Um, that's correct. A- <laughs> so uh, yeah, people correct. people are a lot more interested generally in a, a two or three hundred dollar hollow sun than they are in a twelve hundred dollar uh, ACOG. But it's it, it's definitely a good piece of glass. I had to talk myself out of an ACOG. I really kind of just finally said, you know what, Mike, um, the uh, you know, a, the chances of a burglar being 200 yards away from you is is kind of slim. So uh, I went with the straight uh, red dot, and I liked the five-year battery life of that uh, little new Trigicon. But it is built, uh, you know, it'll get run over by a tank and keep keep ticking, too. It's pretty amazing. So yeah, how that's, you know- that's one of the things you're getting when you spend more money on optics. It's better glass quality, better battery life, and more durability. How do you know that? Like, how the did red you pick- dot you picked up at Walmart might might work well on your 22, but uh, don't expect it to hold up for long. Oh, I believe. Yeah, believe me. I bought a, um, a years ago. Bought a, a Chinese knockoff of a Mark IV, and uh, got about 10 shots on a 300 Win Mag before I rattled that thing apart. So don't don't go cheap on on glass, whatever you do. So how do you know that? How did ACOG information seep into your uh, into your noodle? That's a fantastic question. <laughs> and that's it. What, that's that's it, the answer, huh? huh? What, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've stumped me there. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> Sam, knows? awesome job. Who knows what goes into his noodle? Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks very much. Uh, thanks for having me on, as always. And for those of you listening who are interested in what kind of glass to put on your rifle, uh, I swear by Vortex. Hollow Sun is good as well, and uh, Primary Arms might be a budget option to look at. All right, buddy. Good advice. You're the best. Take care and say hi to the family. They're right here. Cool. All right, folks. Hey, we really want to thank our sponsors. We didn't get them squeezed in last week, and I want to make sure we get them today. Firearms Legal Protection at FirearmsLegal.com. San Diego County Gun Owners at at SDCGO.org. That's it. U.S. Law Shield at USLawShield.com. Cali Key at CaliKey.com. That's K-A-L-I-K-E-Y.com. PRMI Mortgage at PRMIRES.com backslash Alpine.com. Sounds like an Aretha Franklin song. <laughs> P-R-M-E-R-E-S. No, anyway. Law Offices of John Dillon. The Gun Range San Diego at thegunrangesandiego.com. A.O. Sword Firearms Store at aosword.com. And, of course, Lance Pelkey, Michael Schwartz, Joe Germisi, Sam the Gunman, and our digital master, Brendan Thomas. Remember, folks, go to gunsportsradio.com for podcasts, up-to-date information, advertising opportunities. It's all right there at gunsportsradio.com. Folks, be safe. Don't be complicit. Wear your mask. On FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer.
This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.